For those of you who have made it on time, well done. It's good to have you here and it's good to share our carol service with you. Just a couple of things to be aware of. Uh, first of all, please stay behind afterwards. We've got uh, mince pies and, and treats and that, and we'd love you to stay behind for a little bit with us. Um, secondly, we have, we're not taking up an offering tonight, but there is a plate on the back. What we do every carol service, we give to a charity and we collect for a charity. Um, there's a chap who comes to the church called John, and he, he leads a charity called Heartbeat UK, and they provide defibrillators to uh, various places. Um, and so any money that's given tonight into the offering will go to Heartbeat UK. Um, I think the plates will just be at the back, so please feel free to give to that. The other thing is, um, I know we're in a cost of living crisis, but we're not being tight. Um, that corridor's freezing, the toilets are freezing. It's not because we're trying to save money, the boiler's not working um, that does that corridor. So we put fan eaters in and different things. Um, so it is a bit cold in there, but please don't think it's because we're being tight. It's just because we had the boiler breakdown yesterday. We're not planning to have a fire, but if there is one or if there's an emergency, um, you've got an exit there, and you've got exit out the back, and you've got exit out the front. Okay, so don't all run at once, don't panic, we'll get you out, um, but we're not planning anything. The candles this year are batteries as well, so that's a lot safer than we've had in the past, so we should be okay for that. Our plan this evening is to sing some good, traditional, familiar carols, and these carols teach us timeless truths. The, we're going to listen to the story that leads us to Jesus and tells us why he came into the world. And I'm going to explain a few things about that as we go along. And different people are going to come up and read in between. But before we do that, I'd like to pray. So please join me in praying. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come this evening and celebrate Jesus' birth and try and prepare ourselves for Christmas. Father, we thank you for the amazing story of the Bible that teaches how we can know forgiveness and reconciliation with, with you through Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd help us to understand tonight. Help us to understand and to respond. Help us to be clear. Come and help us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. When we get to a carol service, it feels like this is it. Christmas is here. Um, I wonder where Christmas begins for you. As a kid, it used to begin for me pretty much Boxing Day. I'm ready for the next one. Um, maybe you're one of those people who starts buying presents for next year in this year's sales. Maybe you're really organized. Um, maybe you're someone who waits till the last minute and you go into the garage on Christmas Eve to get some aftershave or some perfume for somebody. Uh, there's a house near us. Their decorations go up at the beginning of October. Ours is the first day of December. Um, reluctantly, I think it should be later. But I wonder where you think that Christmas begins. Um, I've always associated it as well. When the dart starts, I know it's Christmas. So we're in Christmas season as of now. But in the Bible, Christmas begins much earlier. Christmas begins right at the beginning of the Bible. It begins in the first book in, in Genesis. 
In Genesis, we're told that God creates a perfect world, a world where there's, there's no arguments, no sin, no war, no trouble, no disease. And he places two perfect humans in his perfect world and they have everything that they need and they make a mess of things because that's what we do. They choose to reject God's design for life and rule themselves and they get in a right mess. And Christmas begins with the story of Adam and Eve. The first people reject God and this nasty thing called sin enters the world and it's like a cancer that lives in all of us. There's something wrong with all of us. And we all say, we all do, we all think things that we know we shouldn't. We have a capacity, don't we, to mess up situations when everything is going well. And God in his love promises right at the beginning to the first people that he's going to send a saviour. He's going to send someone who's going to bring up this fallen, broken, messed up world and us fallen, broken, sinful people back into a proper relationship with him by dealing with our sin. And the whole message of the Bible is pointing towards that. It's pointing towards Jesus. The whole message of the Bible is that we've been separated from God because of our sin, but that God loves us and he's promised a son who's going to come and save us and he's going to make a way for us to be right with God. And so while the Christmas story, we could say, begins way back in Genesis... We're going to start a bit later than that tonight. We're going to start 700 years before Jesus was born. 700 years before Jesus was born, there was a, a, a man called Isaiah. And Isaiah made a prediction. It's called a prophecy. I'm going to read it to you. It says in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 4, Isaiah's making a prophecy about Jesus. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Have you ever made a prediction? Maybe your son or daughter has brought someone home and you've said it won't last. Or they'll never win. Um, five, I didn't put money on this, but five weeks ago, I predicted that Argentina would win the World Cup. Um, if you've recorded it and you're watching it later, they won't. I've spoiled it for you. Now, my prediction were made because I knew, I knew the squad they had. I knew the form they'd been in. I knew the group that they were going to be in. I knew the route to the final. I knew they had the best player in the world, Christian Romero, who plays for Tottenham. And I knew they had Messi as well. And so a week before the tournament started, I predicted there were Lewis, Harry, someone else in there. They said, who's going to win the World Cup? And I said, Argentina are going to win it. But Isaiah made a prediction 700 years before. He made a prediction that seems wild. He predicts under the influence of the Holy Spirit, it says a virgin is going to conceive a son. And they'll call his name Emmanuel. Now Emmanuel means God with us. So what Isaiah's saying is this. Isaiah's saying God is going to send a saviour into the world through a virgin. Now I didn't put a bet on Argentina. If I did, I'd have gotten about eight to one. wonder what odds you'd give in 700 BC to a bloke who predicts that a virgin is going to give birth to God. And yet that's the claim that Isaiah makes. 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah says, a virgin is going to conceive 
bring forth a son, and that son is God. We're going to sing our first carol of the evening. We'll stand with the music, O come, O come, Emmanuel. take a seat. So we've had the first part of the story, the, the prophecy, the prediction, 700 years before Jesus was born, that a virgin will conceive a child and will call his name Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. So Isaiah is saying this, this virgin's going to have a child or this child is going to be God with us. And after he makes his prophecy, he starts to flesh it out, what it's going to look like. And Isaiah writes at a time when God's people in Israel, it it was in a bad place. Because of their own foolish choices, 
the, the nation and the people that, that were on the brink of war, that were on the brink of attack. If you read the Bible, if you read the history books, um, during Isaiah's lifetime, Assyria attack Israel. And they drag off millions of people to be slaves and servants in Assyria. Imagine almost a whole nation decimated. And Isaiah writes at a time when this is about to happen. God's people are about to be taken away because of their own foolish choices. They ignored God's voice. They ignored God's advice. And so God speaks to them through the prophet Isaiah. And he says, I'm going to send you a deliverer. I'm going to send you a deliverer. You're going to call him Emmanuel because he's God with you. And I'm going to tell you what he'll be like. And Jane's going to come and read what he's going to be like. It's Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. To seven. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice, from that time forward, even forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amen. At the time that Isaiah made that prediction, the government of the day were collapsing. That people couldn't cope. And so God promises a new government. A new king who's going to govern. Um, it's quite apt, isn't it? Thinking about governments collapsing. Thinking about leaderships changing. Um, I'm, I'm nearly 30 years old. And in all my lifetime, I've, I've not known a year like this. 30 plus VAT, but there you go. During the past six months, we've had three prime ministers and two monarchs. That's unprecedented, isn't it? In the past two years, we've gone through COVID, and the week that we came out of COVID, COVID restrictions, a nuclear power like Russia invaded the Ukraine. And as a result of that, we've entered a worldwide recession and a fuel crisis. And one of the things we've seen this year is our leaders are fragile, aren't they? Some leaders are downright evil. Some leaders are downright incompetent. Some are untrustworthy. But, but all of them, even the good leaders, I, 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 thought the, I thought the queen was great. But they're mortal. And they die. And the leadership ends. And it, it's a lottery what you get next. See, what Israel needed in 700 BC... And what we need in 2022 AD is trustworthy, competent leaders. I wonder how broad your shoulders are. How much can you cope with? Um, just life in general, it can be a lot, can't it? Over the last few, few years, I've had moments I've thought, I cannot cope with any more stress or strain. I had four months off last year, stressed. Because our shoulders aren't big enough for all that life throws at us, are they? Our shoulders aren't broad enough 
to cope with our own problems. And here Isaiah promises a leader, and Isaiah says the government will be on his shoulders. What Isaiah's saying is when Jesus comes, when God's saviour comes, he's got broad enough shoulders to carry the burden for everybody in the world. Jesus has got broad enough shoulders to carry your burdens and my burdens without crumbling. One day, Jesus was going to carry the whole cares of the world literally on his shoulders when he went to the cross. And we need Jesus because we can't cope with the pressures of life on our own. I'm so glad, as a Christian, I'm so glad that I can take my burdens to Jesus even if they're massive and his shoulders are big enough to handle them. Uh, And I'd say to you this evening, whatever your problems are, whatever your heartaches are, whatever your struggles are tonight, if you come to Jesus, I promise you, his shoulders are big enough. And Isaiah describes the type of government that Jesus is going to bring. People throughout history have found every human government unsatisfactory, even the best ones. But Isaiah says that the, the government that Jesus is going to establish is going to be one where there's peace without end. It's not just pie in the sky. There's a kingdom coming that will one day be and there'll be peace forever. We'll never have peace in this world. In some ways, we shouldn't depend on it. Because once one war stops, another will start. Once one conflict stops, another will start. Jesus said to his disciples, it's one of my my favorite passages in the Bible, Jesus says, in this world you'll have trouble. Isn't that true? And then he says, but don't be afraid, because I've overcome the world. And Isaiah says that it will be a government of justice. There's so many things that happen, isn't they, that drive us wild because we think that's not fair. That is not just. Well, one day, because of Jesus, there's going to be justice. And Isaiah says his name's going to be called Emmanuel, God with us. And Isaiah says he's going to be a wonderful counsellor. That means he'll be the wisest person ever to have lived. And he's a mighty God. And we can look at the world around us, can't we? If you were to look, I don't know, maybe tonight you could look at Russia or Ukraine. You could look into your marriage. You could look into your health. You could look into your circumstances. And you can say, where is God? Well, 2,000 years ago, God came to our world as a baby. He was born in a manger. He lived a real life. He went to school. He learned to read. He learned to write. He was a real boy, but he was perfect. And Isaiah says his government, his leadership, is one that we can absolutely trust. We're going to find out a little bit more about him in a minute, but first we're going to sing again, O come all ye faithful. We'll stand at
back to sleep. So far, we're still 700 years away from Jesus' birth. Isaiah's made this prophecy that a virgin's going to conceive a child. He's going to be called Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. And we're going to pick up the pace now and we come to read about the time of Jesus' birth. And Susan's going to read for us. It's Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 to 23. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Jesus, uh, to Joseph, sorry, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being just a man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Amen. An angel appears to Mary, a virgin, and Joseph, her fiance, and says it's time. After such a, a long wait, Jesus is going to be born. Emmanuel, God with us. It's happening. It's happening tonight. And Isaiah's prophecy is beginning to play out. Let's sing Emmanuel. And then after we've sung this, Paul's going to come and read Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 7.
And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesarea Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered and everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. It's now becoming more familiar, isn't it? We're into passages that we've heard lots and lots. A census is called in Israel. They're under Roman occupation, um, and every male has to go to the home city or hometown and be registered so that they can be taxed. And Joseph's from the family of King David. We've been, we've been learning that on, on a Sunday morning. How Joseph's of the family of King David, who Jesus has promised to be from that family. And as they travel to uh, it's, it's Joseph's hometown, uh, Mary goes into labor. The town's full because of the census. And so Mary gives birth in a makeshift labor suite. And she lies a baby in an animal trough. It's a stunning thought, isn't it, that Jesus, the, the king and the savior of the world, the one who the whole Bible's talking about, the most important fantastic person ever to live comes into the world in such a humble way but I think it's also a comfort because it's a sign that throughout Jesus' life he's one of the common people he's super super important and super special but he's prepared to mix with us wouldn't be the same would it if Jesus' birth was all palatial um, I like Prince William as well as the Queen but I don't feel like I've got access to him because he's born into a different world to me. But Jesus was born into the grime and the poverty of a world that we're familiar with. We're going to sing. This is my favourite we're going to sing now, so you've got to sing it well. It's, it's speaking about the night that Jesus was born. Oh, holy night. Let's stand and sing.
Our final reading is Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through to verse 20. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Let's stand and sing. We've only got a few more carols for you to keep standing for. We're going to stand and sing two together now. The first Noel, and then see him lying on a bed of straw.
feel like when we sing that there should be a couple of cha-cha-chas in there. Um, now I know that but I, I spoke at a carol service two weeks ago and the bloke who led the carol service was my mate from Leicester who's originally from Jamaica and he told me he says this is a it's a calypso carol um, and it was written by a West Indian guy who was studying in Oak Hill Theological Seminary in the 70s 
Um, and I can just picture my mate Dalton singing this on, on the... He has a barbecue every single week. He has jerk chicken um, all the way through the winter on his barbecue. And I can just imagine him in the, in the summer singing, singing this um, with, with all his gusto. But definitely when you sing that song, I think next time we sing it, we'll chuck in some cha-cha-chas. There's something unusual and really comforting about the verses we read. The angels appear en masse. They announce the birth of Jesus. They announce the birth of the one that Isaiah predicted, Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's, it's the biggest event in history. But who do the angels appear to? Who do they tell? Well, it's not the rich, and it's not the famous, and it's not the important people, and it's not the clever people. It's a bunch of shepherds. Now, if you had a shepherd, if you was a shepherd, it wasn't that you were like a landowner shepherd. You didn't own all the sheep, you were just a hired hand. And it was quite a look-down-on job. And it's these normal blue-collar shepherds, and they're entrusted with a message that the saviour of the world's been born. I love that. It's not that Jesus doesn't care about people who are rich and popular and famous and clever. The point is that he does care for those who are marginalized and small and normal. The king of kings, born in a manger, and his birth first announced to shepherds. And what you notice is all the way throughout Jesus' life, he mixes and he eats and he drinks we normal people, and even undesirable people. If Jesus were born in a palace, the shepherds would have never been able to access him. And that's the point. We can never come to God on our own. And so he comes to us. That's what Emmanuel means, he's come to us. Isaiah was onto something, wasn't he? Here's God, the creator of the universe, the the one we can't even get our head around. God is so big. God is so powerful. He knows absolutely everything. He's in control of everything. He's everywhere at once. He's majestic. And yet he comes to earth as a human so he can live and die for our sins. And when he's on earth, you find him there and he's having dinner with tax collectors and prostitutes. And he's mixing with shepherds and nobodies. And the God who made and controls the universe... He becomes a baby who can fit into my hands so that he can be the saviour that was promised. Emmanuel, God with us. I love verse 11. A saviour has been born who is Christ the Lord. Jesus Christ is the saviour of the world. He came to, he came to a broken world for one reason. To rescue us. To rescue anybody that, that trusts in him. That, so that we, well, if, we, if we're honest enough, and we are honest enough to admit, I am, I am not in control of my life. My shoulders aren't big enough. It's me who messes up. Not, I can't blame everything else. It's, it's me. I can't govern myself. Jesus, will you forgive me and will you govern for me? We think of Christmas, don't we? And it's lovely. I love Christmas. Little baby Jesus lying in a manger, no crying he makes. It's just not true. This attitude that Jesus breezed through life, never cried, never got phased. Well, Isaiah, whose prophecy we started with, 
he talks about Jesus, he describes him as a man of sorrows. There are loads of times in Jesus' life when he cries. He looks over Jerusalem and he sees them how they're going their own way and they won't trust him. And he cries about it. He goes to, he goes to his mate's funeral. And he knows where he's going to raise him from the dead. But he still cries because he's sad. Jesus goes, goes, through, the, goes through life and he, he doesn't cheat. And Jesus sees the state of the world and the state of people's hearts. And he, as he watches people die and he, and he sees things, he, he cries. And we have this image of cosy little Jesus, no crying he makes. It's just not true. Because to understand Jesus' birth, we have to understand why he came. He came to be a man of sorrows. Jesus came to die. Jesus was born to die. When we picture the, the manger, there's a cross overshadowing the manger. See, we really understand the story of Christmas when we view it from the cross. I know I've said this loads of times before, and I haven't written it down, so I've got to try and remember it off my head. About 15 years ago, the Bank of England, the bloke who was head of the Bank of England said, we'll see the impact of Christmas at Easter. Now, he was talking, obviously, financially. We'll see the impact of Christmas at Easter. But that's true. We, we see the impact of Christmas at Easter. What a, what a story it is. The God who created the world, the world that turned its back on his government, the, the God who promised that he'd come and, and take, take the government on his shoulders. And then Jesus is born, God with us. And he goes on to live a perfect, sinless life, the only one in history. Jesus never thought, never said, never did anything wrong. Completely perfect. And then he willingly goes to the cross and he lets them hammer nails into him and he lets them murder him. And our sins are laid on his shoulders because they're big enough to take them. And Jesus dies. But he doesn't remain dead. He rises from the dead. And the great message of Christmas is that Jesus has come to take the government of your life and my life on his shoulders. He's come to take your sins and my sins on his shoulders. He rose from the dead and he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So it's an awesome message. We call the Christmas period Advent. Because Advent means arrival, it means appearance. At Christmas 2,000 years ago, Jesus appeared, Jesus arrived on earth. He lived this perfect life, died on the cross, took the government of our sins on his shoulders, rose, went back to heaven. And we've covered, basically tonight, in 50 minutes, we've covered the whole story of the Bible. There's only one more thing to happen. There's going to be another Advent. Do you realize that? Jesus is going to appear again. Jesus is going to come to the earth again. And he's coming to wrap it all up. We wonder, don't we, how is the world going to end? I always thought as a kid, the world would end with nuclear war. Or the sun will burn out or run out of fuel. No, the, the Bible teaches us clearly Jesus is going to return. And everybody who's trusted in his government is going to be live with him in peace forever and the rest perish. It's a beautiful thing to think that one day there's going to be peace on earth. But it's only going to be peace for those who trust in Jesus. It's only going to be peace for those who submit to his government in our lives. 
And, and I want to ask you tonight, you know, it's lovely to see you all. It's lovely to, to sing all the carols and go through the story. But you need to think where you stand. Have you placed yourself under Jesus' government or are you trying to govern your own life? Because you and me have got a soul. It's the most precious thing you have. Your soul's the real you. Your soul's eternal. That means that your soul is never going to die. Our bodies are going to die. I've done loads of funerals. Our bodies die. But your soul lives forever. And Jesus has come, Emmanuel, God with us, to save your soul. And our call this evening is we place our soul under his government because it's the only place it's safe. And I, I'm, I'm really glad that you've come. I'll be gutted if you go home and the only thing you can say about tonight was that we're a lovely service. Because we've talked about having a soul and how Jesus has come to rescue that soul and how he's coming again. There's going to be a second advent and we need to be ready. It's more than that was a nice service, Vicar. We get ready, we, we, we turn to Jesus and we say, please Jesus, forgive my sins and govern my life. Will you do that? Will you think about it? This world's so troubled, but Jesus has entered. People say, if there's a God, why is there so much trouble in the world? Because of us, we've made the trouble. All the trouble in the world is because of humanity. But God's done something definitive and, and powerful and costly. He sent his only precious son to pay for our sins and to rule for us. And I'd, I'd ask you, don't just tick it off into a carol service. Think about that. If God's speaking to you tonight, don't waste the opportunity. Ask him, be governor of my life. Speak to us, we'll tell you more about it. But it's an amazing story, isn't it? We've messed up. You can't argue that. We've messed up. And Jesus has come into the world to say, I'll, I'll pay for that. And I'll govern your life. And I'll rule. But you've got to come to me. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the Christmas story. And yet we thank you that it's not just a story. We thank you that it's a true story. We thank you that Jesus has come into the world to save sinners and, and that fits the bill with us. We know that he's coming again and we ask that we would turn to you and put ourselves under your government. Holy Spirit, help us to understand that and apply that to us as we leave, we pray. Amen. We're going to sing our final carol together, Joy to the World.
Joy to the earth, the Saviour reigns. He rules the world with truth and grace. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. That's our prayer this evening. Please stay behind and join us for uh, tea and coffee and all sorts of stuff. Um, and remember any donations that you make on the way out, they'll be going to Heartbeat UK, um, which is a charity that, that provides defibrillators um, to different areas in Coventry. We've loved seeing you this evening and we, we, we'd love to see you again. Um, we, we're, we're meeting next Sunday morning and evening. We have our, our Christmas family service on Sunday. We'd love to see you there. And thank you for coming and have a lovely, lovely Christmas. God bless you all.